welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. In this episode, we'll be discussing chapter 17 of our book, Customer Satisfaction. All about involving customers. Um, we've done involving employees, now we're involving customers. And it's really, I think, closing the loop out here um, in terms of the initial activity we talked about was having customers involved at the outset. It's a good thing we're doing. We want to get your feedback. We want to measure it. We want to change. We want to do things better for you. We've talked through the methodology. We've talked through the analysis. We've talked about identifying actions. We've talked about doing stuff. And then that final bit of the loop is getting back to customers and involving them in some in some different ways. And I suspect, I don't know what you think, Stephen, it's probably the bit that somehow is quite easy, but because it's at the end of the journey, not everyone quite gets to this point. Yeah, I think I'd say a lot of people never get to this point, uh, and some of the people who do don't do it terribly well or sort of keep it going. So I think part of the problem is, is a sort of well-intentioned thing that we don't want to talk to customers yet. You know, we want to make sure we know exactly what we're doing, make sure we've, you know, we, we can point to some actions that we're actually taking. So we'll just hold fire on, on the customer comms for a bit while we get set up to do that. And then that all takes a little bit longer than we thought it was going to take. And then, well, it's nearly time for the, for the update survey. So we won't do it this time, but we'll, we'll see what's changed. Um, and in brackets, nothing will have changed because you haven't told customers about it. We'll see what's changed and then do the comms after the next and so on and so forth. So it, it's... It's very easy for it to get delayed until it's the perfect time to do it. And there isn't um, a perfect time. And there's never going to be the perfect time, exactly. Yeah, I think the organisation, one of the organisations I saw this do best is a retailer, a clothes re retailer, who very much were used to marketing and communications and, and very much on the selling side of that. But their mindset was completely different to perhaps our usual client contacts who were more perhaps traditional research conservative facts these were hey we've got something to tell customers let's tell them let's tell them let's tell them let's tell them you can't over communicate you can't over communicate mm. um, even if by doing that way too much there might be a little bit of attrition that's a good equation to to have and the other interesting thing about them and i wondered who was going to say this phrase first about perception is reality is that they actually called their survey internally a perception survey and they had perception gaps and i thought mm. the chapter does a very good bit at the beginning about talking of perception or reality and, and perhaps we should just dwell on that because that's always it's always a topic for discussion that you yeah. mentally need to sort of move on from yeah i, I kind of I'd like what the chapter lays out, and I think it, but I think it slightly misses one thing, which I'll talk about in a second. But it's good, I think, that it distinguishes between performance gaps and perception gaps, i.e., places where you actually have a problem you need to fix, and places where, at least in your opinion, you don't have a problem, but customers think you do, and therefore implicitly you need to manage their perceptions to realise that, that actually you're doing a better job than than they think. Um, and those are both true; those both exist in in the real world. I think. In my experience, what, what is actually more common is a perception gap where we're both wrong <laughs> or, yeah. or possibly we're both right, but we're, but we're talking about different things. So it's, a, it's about a misunderstanding or a miscommunication or just that customers understand the set of words differently from you. 
Um, and we've talked about a few examples of that over the years in, in the podcast, but I think it, it, it's quite common for for a perception gap, or basically for, for there to be no ground truth, because we're, we're both telling a truth, but it's about a slightly yeah. different thing. Yeah. And I think the danger there is if you go in to manage perceptions, basically you're shouting at customers, no, you're wrong, we're great at this. And they're going, well, no, you're not, because you know the delivery was late yesterday or whatever yeah. it is. That can actually be quite a a negative thing and something that's going to annoy customers rather than gently lead them around to your yeah. view of things. I think what what one of the things you've said a few times when we've talked about this is you need to understand why the customer has that perception. That's your first mm. step, not just re-shouting the message louder yeah. and louder and louder. Why are they thinking what they see? And one of the things, uh, one of the phrases I pinched from the podcast you did with Chris Daffy is a really good phrase. Um, customer loyalty is memory-based. Because I think there's a couple of little steps to go through to, to sort of square those two truisms. The first one is to have the maturity of saying, actually, it's all about what the customer is saying because that drives his behaviors, which is what we're trying to control, manage, measure, influence. So we have to go with that way. Why is he saying that, whether he agree or, or disagree? But that idea that customer loyalty is memory-based, and I think, you know, I've certainly had a few examples lately where I feel I've done something with a client <laughs> and they haven't remembered it. And then, you, th you, you, you know, and it does, it hurts, it gripes. And then you've got to go, the hold on, I've got to make this memorable to alter yeah. your perception. But there's two or three mental steps there. There's two or three memorable steps or different steps you've got to do to make that memorable. So and one of the examples I often give, because it, it, it's turned, it turns up wherever you have this as a, as a kind of uh, interaction, is when it comes to complaint handling. One of, the, you know, one of the things we all know about complaint handling is that customers like it if they have a named point of contact. Yeah. Uh, so quite often in a complaint handling survey, we'll have that as a question. Did you have a named point of contact? No, I didn't. Customers will say, no, we didn't. And we'll feed that back. And the company will say, yes, they did. And the point <laughs> there is it's, it's not about saying to someone, my name is Stephen, is not the point, is it? Getting someone to remember that my name is Stephen is the point. The truth there, that's a really good example. of The truth is not, did you say your name? Do they actually have a named contact? The truth is, does the customer know and feel that they have a named contact. Yeah. That's the truth we're interested in. Yeah. So the customer's perception is more important than the fact of what happened. Uh, and is actually closer to the truth we're really interested in with the research. Yeah, I, I, I think there is a little bit of a, a, a having to be a mindset, mindset change or perhaps why involving a marketing department is good because I think up to this point everything we've talked about is factual numbers reliability mm. robust it's yes and no it, it, it's quite a pure science when you get to this bit you're moving into like the social science you're now talking about behavioral psychology it's a difference you know you're talking about emotions <laughs> which you, you, you're into a different um, science of measurement does that make some sense yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. And I think for me, there, there are two things. I mean, one, one that you've kind of alluded to already, which is if you want to manage customer perceptions, you've got to understand where they come from, all the things that shape those. And what you actually do is part of that. But there's a whole load of other things which will shape perceptions, such as tone of voice and all sorts of little details in the way an experience works. And I think the other thing is that we have to 
get away from the idea that we we are able to define quality because we're not so <laughs> it, it doesn't matter whether you think you did a good job yeah. that 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 isn't a measure of quality yeah. it's what customers think is is the measure yeah. of quality particularly if you use the phrase service quality um and um would take me into a little bit of an area about sometimes how mystery shopping sits with customer satisfaction you know mystery shopping is a really good way of seeing did people do things they were meant to do in the shop did they have the name badge there did they offer you this did they do that did they it, it, it's an operational performance thing it's not about how they made you felt you know it's not about satisfaction it's it's a measure of performance quality not customer service not satisfaction yeah and i think um the the big problem with mystery shopping for me is that by definition those people are not like customers and <laughs> yeah. as soon as you introduce a bias like that yeah. then it makes me it, it just brings into question are their views going to be like customers views are well they're almost bound to be different and maybe they're different in trivial ways but but maybe they're not maybe they're different in quite profound ways it would seem much more sensible to ask customers their views if you want customers views it, it's always seemed so to me yeah. yeah so in terms of the whole sort of perception it you know is is, is reality and i think that that becomes a point where people sort of get that as they start doing more 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 research and often because they can be a really quick win <laughs> if a customer says x and you know why uh, if a customer says x and you think it's y and you can understand why they're saying x actually you're talking about communication as an action plan rather than having to fundamentally do something process wise time consuming it's a communication issue which sounds relatively easy and i think is relatively easy like you were alluding to before but this is okay we now need to get some feedback to customers mm -hmm. that lands with them in the way that they are judging us seeing us could you share some examples of where you think there's been really great customer feedback i mean i think in, in general for me good customer feedback is really quick after the survey and it's really transparent and honest it doesn't necessarily need to be super detailed. And I, I think one thing that in my view is a bit of a mistake is that traditionally what a lot of organizations have done is, is, is sort of do a slightly digested version of the, of the report and yeah. say, you know, here, here are our survey findings. Like customers don't care about your survey findings. Not really. They might be slightly interested in how we did overall, but they're really interested in what you're going to do yeah. about it. So I think to me, a very straightforward message of we've done a survey because customers matter to us. Here are the things that you told us we're good at. Hooray. Here are the things you told us we need to fix. And here's what we're doing about it. What about if that here, what we're doing about, it's going to take a little bit of time to get the plan together, pull the teams together. How about what's your views on like even a holding communication? Thanks for taking part. Cause I think you, everyone should always say thank you. People have given 10 minutes of the time here, you know, to, to give feedback with good intentions, but thanks for taking part. You know, this is what you say about us. These are the areas we know we're going to focus on sort of watch this space. We'll come back to you. Yeah. I, I... My view would be, you can't do too much of it. Um, I suppose in principle, at some point, if you've done loads of communications and nothing is changing and they're all holding, then that's going to be doing a, a harm. But assuming you are actually going to be doing something, you can't do too much communication about where you are with that. 
and personally i'd communicate to all customers so you know thank you if you took part and if you didn't you know hopefully you'll get a chance to next time here's what we're doing with the results yeah. and that's a commonly asked question about who do you feed it back to but i think when when you realize you're actually trying to improve everyone's customer satisfaction not just those who took part in survey or not just those that you invited to take part in the survey because they may well have you know just been um, a sample of the greater population you're trying to improve everyone's and it's a good mm -hmm. message you should really be going back back, back, back to so. everyone people get nervous sometimes about sharing a score and to be honest you don't need to share your score if you don't want to i think what you need to share is the fact that you've done a survey and the fact that you found out what you need to do and that you're doing something about yeah. it I always tend to, particularly in the perhaps the B2B market, and we should talk perhaps a little bit about B2B versus B2C, but in the B2B market, I always give the advice, you know, whatever your feedback is going to end up being sent to a competitor. Mm. So, you, you know, it is. So, yeah, you know, so think about that. You know, if you've got good stuff, you know, that's great to say. Do you want to put yourself on a league table? Perhaps depends where you are on that league table. But, you know, that doesn't matter it's going to a competitor. What matters is your communication to the customer. Thanks for taking part. We value us. You like this. We're going to do this stuff better. You know, your views matter. And, and, and that's the audience. And I think communication can, can work in a load of different ways. So if it's a sort of super sensitive B2B hyper competitive thing where you definitely don't want this information to fall into the wrong hands, do it face to face. So, you know, your account manager will talk you through what we're doing. Yeah. It doesn't need to be, you know, in the olden days, it was often like the, the sort of paper feedback leaflet. And it doesn't need to be <laughs> like that. It can be a conversation. It can be a video. It can be stuff on social media. It can be, a, it can be, you know, use whatever combination of channels and, and mediums that, that are going to work for you and for your customers. There's no excuse to not do feedback yeah. after your customer survey i think particularly nowadays yeah in the olden days it was relatively more difficult nowadays there's just no excuse yeah. you must be able to talk to your customers yeah. and it is a fantastic thing for the account manager the account director it's a great conversation to have in the b2b market it's a reason for sitting in front of a customer perhaps understanding some of that perception is reality but to do that face to face, you're talking to a customer about doing things better for them, making them happier. They will all welcome that, you know. And I think, again, one of the fear is, are they going to want everything for nothing, you know, and the unreasonable customer? And we all have, every business has, has you know, you know, one or two of them. But the vast majority, you'll just create that more personal relationship. They'll understand what they're trying to get out of this what are their pressure points? And it's just a really good thing to have an agenda for a review meeting and, and doing it face to face, I just think is such a great way of doing it. Yes, this is funny, there's a conversation I was having with a client a couple of months ago about the kind of overlap between customer insight, marketing and account-based management. And yeah and they're sort of and they do they do all overlap there's a sort of there's a, a dot in the yes, middle which is kind that. of all of those um and it and it makes it really interesting i think but but yeah your account to in the ideal world your account managers should feel that the customer survey is another tool in their armory that they can use yeah. to build a relationship with their customer um it often doesn't feel like that to begin with because account managers can be a bit nervous about you know a third party coming into the relationship if you like in, in terms of the customer research but um that's probably not a great way of putting that but you know what i mean yeah um 
And but if we can get them on board and say that this is useful feedback about how your customer's feeling, that they might not say to you, you know, face to face, but given that it's come back in the survey, you can talk to them about it and draw it out, make sure you can address that. You can get people on board, I think. Yeah. And I think that's carefully how you use internal benchmarking. It might be you want to do scores by account or region um, to start off with, but but whether you share them, you, you know, do you want to create competition in that? Perhaps that's more a year three or four thing, whereas year one or two, you see where the highest scoring region or account managers seem to be doing this thing better, which is probably the PFI. Let's focus on getting everyone aware of how to do this PFI better and start you know, you know, building up the skills in, in, in that area. I think one of the most difficult questions that, that I, I, I've been asked, and, and there isn't an awful lot of sort of um, academic evidence on this, is um, if you do a reasonable amount of communications, how long does it take customers to notice change? What's that lag yeah, um, between perception and reality? You can probably guess what my first answer is going to be, which is it depends. Um, but I think it, in the, the, the more proper answer is it, it, what does it depend on? Well, it depends on sort of the frequency of, of experiencing the new thing, really. So if you are in, let's say you're in, in something like life and pensions, something really, really low, con low frequency of yeah. contact, low engagement very very difficult to change perceptions quickly in a consumer world that's a very extreme example yeah. on the other end of the spectrum if you're in this you know consumer world where let's take something like insurance claims yeah in principle if you if you radically change your process tomorrow all the new customers who are going through that process tomorrow will score you for the for the way the process now is so your score could change overnight if you revolutionize it you know, practice is a bit more complicated than that, but, but it, in principle, it should change quite rapidly. So that's the sort of spectrum from, you know, a very low engagement relationship survey to a, a very high engagement event-driven survey Yeah, is, is the spectrum from almost never changing to changing overnight. Most of us are somewhere in the middle of that. So it's something that you experience relatively often and your perceptions will start to change. And actually, this seems to be a bit better than I used to think it was. So perhaps it will take five, 10 new experiences to really believe that. And I think communication can kind of shortcut yeah. that a little bit. So there's, there's reason then to believe that there's, there's, it's not random that these newer experiences have been better. It's because something fundamentally has changed. And what about B2B? Again, it, it does vary. I think B2B it tends more to be about kind of relationships. I think people often talk about trust, don't they? And, and you know, the trust equation with kind of credibility and reliability and integrity and all these sorts of aspects to it. Yes. So a lot of it depends on the strength of the relationship that you have with a customer. I think how, so if they sort of fundamentally believe you're, you're good, but have been making some mistakes and you say to them, we've done X, Y, and Z in order to never make those mistakes again they're probably quite willing to change quite quickly. If they don't really have that kind of trust relationship with you, if they think you're a bit rubbish or think that you don't always do what you say you're going to do, and then it's going to take them a bit longer, isn't it? Yeah, and I think also one of the things that links into that is how noticeable is the change. If we think of the B2B world and deliveries, if you're delivering in the manufacturing a big heavy object that arrives on pallets if you change the wrapping color from blue to red 
yeah. everyone will notice that. Mm. That's not really going to affect, I think, anything of any significance in terms of the performance, but it's very obvious and very noticeable. If at the same time you said, you know, this thing deliveries were, you know, you don't think we're very reliable at deliveries. What I'm going to do as your account manager is just keep track of the next 10 deliveries. I'm going to phone up after each one to see whether it arrived on time. And if you did that simultaneously, when you change from red to blue, as perhaps an add-on, not necessarily you, you mm. need to do that. And you just phone up, did your delivery arrive on time? Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, great. No, it didn't. Oh, that's one out of five late. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, actually, do you know what? Hey, I've, you know, I've spent the time. I've looked at this. I've managed it with you. And do you know what? Nine out of ten times, it, it was, it was um, on time. Uh, did you feel better with that? Is, you know, that's. Uh, and there's a way you can do that 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 helps them learn that <laughs> that mm. or to align perhaps their misperception in your idea with reality and 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 even all that has done even if nothing has changed has send a lot of i love you you matter we're trying to solve this to you it's important we're here you know we're here for you i, I don't yeah. see any negative in that at all it's proactive account management no and i think that that's a good example of kind of managing perceptions and what's good about that i think it, it, that sort of actively managing perceptions is it will highlight if there are perception gaps, like we talked about really before, quickly. between what we think <laughs> and what they think. So, oh, your delivery was on time this week. No, it wasn't. Oh, that's interesting. Let's dig into that. Yeah. So, Our record rather than sort of time. suffering in <laughs> yeah. silence, yeah. It, it kind of surfaces that. So, I think it manages perceptions, but actually, it manages your perceptions as well as customers' uh, yeah. perceptions, and that that's quite useful. That's a really good point. Yeah, it it will give you a much greater insight into why they are saying what they say, mm. and perhaps you know the records you have are not tying up to the records that they have in you know in some way. So, um, so we think it's a good thing to communicate back to customers post post-survey absolutely yeah and i think um one thing that that i don't think the chapter mentioned i might have missed it is, is that in terms of those managing perceptions it, it, there's kind of different ways to attack it, which you've kind of alluded to there there's there's the kind of changes you might make to a standard way of managing the process to say have you noticed that delivery was on time or that our deliveries in general have been more on time and then there's more general communications isn't there more of a kind of marketing approach to it um, so I think get, it is worth saying that the communication, it, it isn't a one shot. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But I think it also isn't just a, a marketing job and it isn't just a sort of customer service job or an operations job. It, it's everyone working. So there's bits that are operational, there's bits that are marketing. There's lots of different pieces you need working together to do it well. Yeah, it's interesting because it is, I think in some organisations, there is that little bit of a gap of, I deal with customers, you deal with winning customers. Mm. And okay, now we want to send messages to customers. <laughs> There's a bit in the middle there that's, that's definitely sort of uh, you know overlaps. I think it is to, to sort of do full circle that you can even sense sometimes with organizations when you say, hey, send out a letter or put on your website, you're about to do a survey because this is a really, really good thing. You can feel a sense of, apologeticness if i was to create mm -hmm. another word of yep. oh i'm not sure we don't want to intrude with customers no be bold be powerful this is great mm -hmm. and um and, you know we both worked with um, and have worked with a couple of um, american colleagues who are much more natural at doing that 
and the American consumers are much more natural at receiving that, uh, but are much more, hey, this is great, tell them, tell them, tell them, and then at the end, tell them. And I sometimes find I'm having to convince the apologiness at the beginning and at the end. But saying that, if I look back over time, much more people get perception is reality. And the people who are at the top of our league table, not only are they great at, at delivering great customer satisfaction, they're great at managing and understanding customers' perceptions as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I totally agree with that. Yeah, and I think that your point about not being apologetic about the whole survey process is a really important one. Because I think it maybe carries over from... Market research in general is a bit of an imposition, isn't it? It's like this, we want 10 minutes of your time to, so us. that we can learn things. Yeah. But customer research is a bit more in the customer's interest than most Absolutely. market research is. And I Absolutely. think that, that's one of the things we've got on our side. And it means we shouldn't be apologetic. I think, you know, if, if, you're, if you're too busy to take part now, that's fine. We understand. But we shouldn't be apologizing about the fact that we're interested in what our customers think. And what, I think that should be a, a yeah, positive. There is a, there is a vested in you know you know you know there is a vested interest. If I think of a couple of clients who we've had for numerous years where we would interview the same customer, that mm. is great because they have seen change happen, and that is like you, know, so you get great response rate. They're keen to take part. Even things like a hot alert process where feedback goes straight back to the organisation and providing anonymity is wavered and all that sort of stuff. Something goes straight back to the customer to fix something or someone calls them up and say, hey, you did a customer survey the other day. You know, I just would like to understand a bit more about it because we realised you weren't happy. That is fab, you know, because I'm sure most people give yeah. feedback and don't expect to hear anything. And when you're doing something as proactively as that, that is just great. That really is great. That's one of my big bugbears. Is it, this, this idea of survey fatigue. I don't think survey fatigue I, it's a I think lack of myth. action fatigue is the exact, so, yeah. yeah. Lack of action, lack of communication of action fatigue yeah. is what exists. <laughs> yeah. Completely agree. Well, I think on that um, um, on that soapbox, we should probably <laughs> call this chapter <laughs> slightly aggressive <laughs> to a conclusion. <laughs> and that's chapter 17 done. So next, it's the final chapter. Conclusions, chapter 18 for the next podcast exciting stuff so thank you very much for listening everyone if you're using itunes please subscribe rate and review us and if you want to get in touch you can find us on twitter at tlf research or at tlfresearch.com thanks for listening everyone cheers